0: Welcome to the Vanity Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Lee. Our guest today, New York Door, as we talk about Vanderbilt and the upcoming Major League Baseball draft and the impact that could have on both the players on the current roster and the signees as well. This episode is presented by the Well Coffee House, a Nashville-area coffee house offering fresh roast coffee along with house-made pastries, Breakfast and lunch offerings, there are four locations to serve you in the Nashville area. Those are Brentwood, Green Hills, downtown, and Bellevue. More information can be found at WellCoffeeHouse.org, the Well Coffee House where coffee changes lives. We also thank our co-presenting sponsor, Wellspire, Nashville's Learning and Development Center located in the Gulch. Our news presented by Sutherland and Belk, a family-owned injury law firm, If you or a loved one has been hurt in an accident, call Taylor or Russell at 615-846-6200 to see what your rights are and if they can help. Well, not much news over the weekend. Vanderbilt did announce a $30 million revenue shortfall. George Plaster and I talked about that on Monday's podcast. Our guest line brought to you by Bowling Branch, started by Vanderbilt graduates Scott and Missy Tannen. Had no clue what I was missing until I got Bowling Branch Sheets. They are fair trade certified, meaning they are made under safe conditions by men and women treated and paid fairly. Try them for a month. You can return them for free, but you won't want to. Once you have the sheets, try the mattress. That was voted the best mattress of 2018. Go to bowlandbranch.com. That is spelled B-O-L-L. Enter the promo code VANDY and get $50 off your first set of sheets. Our question and answer session with New York Door is presented by Vanderbilt fan Josh Minton, an independent insurance agent operating out of Brentwood. Josh can take care of all of your insurance needs. Call him today at 615-933-1979. Email him at josh at hqinsurance.com. Follow him on Twitter at Joshua Minton HQ or at Facebook.com JDMintonHQ. Josh is my insurance agent. Give him a try and tell him you heard about it on this podcast. New York Door joins us as we talk some Vanderbilt baseball and specifically things related to the draft. Thank you for joining us, sir. Hope you're doing well.
1: I'm doing as good as can be. Uh, I'm up here in New York and uh, living outside the city these days and taking my son and my dog on a walk. So if you hear any background noise, uh, it won't be other people cause they're not allowed to be close to me, but, uh, but you might hear some cars or some wind.
0: What's well, harder to manage the, uh, son or the dog?
1: Oh, without a doubt, the dog, my son just wants to hold my hand and pretend his sunglasses are a telephone. Uh, my dog looks to, she's 75 pounds and she looks to do a dead sprint at anything that moves. Um, so yeah, uh, I think she's, she's a little harder to manage.
0: Well, let's get into things hard to manage. The Vanderbilt baseball roster would be one of those. Of course, we are still waiting on NCAA uh, rules decisions. I guess not so much that, but we're waiting more on Major League Baseball and its decision on draft changes. And You've got some thoughts on the whole draft landscape and money deferral and things like that. I'll just let you start off the top with what people need
1: to know. Well, yeah, and I think we can start with what, what actual changes were implemented, what flexibility remains on both the MLB side and, and the NCAA side. First thing to remember on the MLB side is Major League Baseball negotiates with the Major League Baseball Players Association, not the Minor League Baseball Players Association or the NCAA Players Association or the NIAI or whatever the heck it is, or the high school, i.e. minor leaguers and amateurs are left completely out of the talks. And the results typically reflect that. That's why minor leaguers are paid less than minimum wage. That's why, uh, you know, these weird arbitrary rules on player control continue to exist because it doesn't impact in in any significant way the majority, if not the whole, of the, the constituency of the Major League Baseball Players Association. Now, for as much as that is true of uh, detriment to the minor leaguers, it's also detriment to the amateurs. You have things like changes to reduce the amount of order, over-slotting in the past 10 years. Uh, you have the, the timing of the, the draft being somewhat at odds with what college would like, and to be frank, with with what high school uh, summer leagues and, and college summer leagues would like. Um, and in, in perhaps the most egregious case this year, you have the sacrificial lamb of draft eligible players in 2020 being put up for Major League Baseball owners' finances and some guaranteed paychecks for June for Major League Baseball players. That's what you had here. And it really was a scenario where not just the 2020 draft eligible players, but really the draft eligible players for the next six years, including this year, are going to be tremendously impacted because what Major League Baseball did do was uh, was get an agreement to reduce the size of this year's draft from five rounds to ten, uh, pardon me from forty rounds down to either five or ten rounds, and that's going to be at the discretion of Major League Baseball. Uh, so you basically are chopping off you know several hundred draftees. Uh, presumably, at least in part, to line up with Major League Baseball's desire to reduce the size of Minor League Baseball by about 30%. Uh, In addition to that, any player who is an undrafted free agent may be signed by Major League Baseball, but the bonus paid to any undrafted free agent is going to be capped at $20,000. $20,000 for someone who's going to go on to make less than minimum wage. Um, You know, really just highway robbery, uh, completely facilitated by the Major League Baseball Players Association. And which, to be fair, you know, the Major League Baseball Players Association does not represent amateurs, does not represent future major leaguers. It just represents current major leaguers. So maybe they did their job, but they did it at the expense of amateurs. And so the the scenario we've got for, for this upcoming year is, a very real possibility of about, um, you know, with with competitive balance rounds, uh, what, what does that come out to? Maybe 170 players will be drafted. I think it's 161,
0: and I believe the the minimum salary for the last player I think was 310, 330, somewhere in that range. It was over 300, but I believe under 350.
1: And so the slot the slot pools are going to operate a little weirdly this year because you don't, and it's going to have a dynamic to impact a bunch of Vanderbilt players, uh, either potential or, or present, uh, is that your slot pool, you can still spread it out as you see fit, but it can only be spread out from players chosen in those first five rounds plus any com- competitive balance rounds. So, for example, I think the Houston Astros are going to be drafting a whopping three people this year uh, because they lost their first two rounds for being bad, bad cheaters with the exception of Tony Kemp. And, uh, you know, they, they, weirdly enough, have got to be thrilled that this has occurred because they're they're the team that comes out best from, uh, from this draft, basically all but being canceled.
0: Um, And the Astros, by the way, have the last pick of round five. If it goes five rounds in the slot for that, at pick number 161
1: is 321-100. Yeah. So, you know, someone who's drafted in the fifth round can be overslotted, but the key factor here is anyone, if it goes five rounds, uh, if it goes 10 rounds, that could be a very different story, but, um, you know, your slot pool has to be allocated among those who are actually drafted, cannot use it on undrafted free agents, which is a change from the past where you can go up to 125 uh, and then – uh, 125 for free, and then over slot above that within your draft. Yeah.
0: Well, and um, if it goes 10 rounds, by the way, that would be 311 picks. The Astros have the last pick in the 10th round. The slot associated with that pick is 142-300.
1: Yeah. So w- what does this mean? It means instead of having, you know, uh, Somewhere around 1,200 players drafted. You're gonna have a lot less than that this year, and the impact on that in the very near term is uh, a: a lot of program type draftees are not gonna get drafted, uh, which will go along well with their MLB's decision to contract the minors. But then you have an enormous number of high schoolers who will come to the college ranks when they would not otherwise have, particularly. Amongst high-end college, high school players, and then an inordinate number of college juniors and now college seniors as well, who will also have the ability to come back. Um, One key factor in that is the college decisions. The NCAA uh, uh, Governing Council made decisions to change uh, eligibility due to coronavirus and basically grant all spring sport players an additional year of eligibility. And in addition to that, made some, some senior-specific rules uh, on whether or not seniors would, would be counters and whether or not they would count against the 35-man uh, the roster cap, which generally speaking are not expected to impact Vanderbilt, uh, in large part because Harry Ray has already made it clear he is uh, going to continue on.
0: And I don't know that
1: I've heard anything to indicate Ty Duvall uh, whether or whether not he'll be back or if he intends to uh, to go pro but uh, at most we would have one returning super senior if you will
0: okay um, let's let's get into some specifics with some players here um unless you have something else to add i, yeah, I want to go yeah the, just the one
1: last thing to add is major league base or rather the NCAA is not done with their rule changes um, they are still considering additional things for example relaxing the 35 man roster which is something I've been advocating for 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 some time. Um, And and it would not shock me to see a short-term exception to the 35-man roster requirement for the spring, uh, which which is really going to be a necessary thing. Otherwise, you're going to have a roster apocalypse across the country. In addition, they are expected to finalize the one-time transfer rule, which will allow college baseball players at one point, for one time in their career to transfer without having to sit out as a red shirt. So those are key things. The other, uh, I know I've been chatting for a long while, but uh, the other thing I just wanna note is this is gonna have a a really snowball effect throughout the the draft for the next six years because you are gonna have an extraordinarily abbreviated draft this year, which is going to push more people into the draft for next year which means that other people will be edged out of the draft, which will mean there will be more people in the following year, and so on and so on. And it should finally have its effects peter out uh, in, in 2025, 2026. Well, and the draft, as I understand
0: it, is about to get shorter either way, even without this. They're talking, what was it,
1: 20, maybe 25 rounds I think that's correct. Yeah. Uh, So, and I believe part of the deal was that they have Major League Baseball has the right. So, the the way it's structured is Major League Baseball has the right, but not the obligation, to shorten this year's draft to five, up to five rounds. It is expected that they will be choosing between five rounds and 10 rounds. And on top of that, they have the right to shorten next year's draft to 20 rounds.
0: Let's get into some individual players. Let's start with the easy ones. I'm going by Baseball America's Rankings. Austin Martin, the number one player in the draft class by B.A. Two commitments next as it pertains to Vandy. Robert Hassel at 16. Pete Crow Armstrong at 17. Enrique Bradfield at 55. Jake Eater at 71. Tyler Brown at 100. I think you mentioned this earlier, Tyler Brown put a post on his Instagram that made it sound like he's coming back. However, we don't think that's the case. We may have misread that. Uh, Anybody among those six players that you expect to see at Vanderbilt next year, barring something unusual?
1: So the something unusual would be the draft changes. Um, And I don't expect to see any of those folks at Vanderbilt regardless. But... Uh you know, some some immediate notes. Uh I think Austin Martin will be off the board of the first four picks. I don't think that's a controversial take. Um if I'm drafting, I'm taking asa Lacey, number one. I thought he was the best player we saw last year. Uh I thought he was the best player I, I saw in highlights this year. I think he's just fantastic and, and really have thought that ever since uh ever since we faced him. Um but Austin obviously is a you know profiles as a future all-star. He, he's he's fantastic and he's going to do quite well. Um, you know Robert Hassel. Some say the best hit tool in the draft is either Hassel or Martin. Um, and, and Hassel just for Team USA you know, had just a legendary summer last year. Um, you know I would not expect. I think the the chances of him arriving at campus are uh slim and none Pete crow armstrong is probably a little bit more controversial of a draft prospect in that uh his hit tool has not really played to its ultimate capability it's more projection than, than present he had an outstanding uh run in korea with team usa along with hassle the two of them really powered it which i think helped his draft stock quite a bit because he really hadn't hit much in in his, uh, his junior year through his summer before senior year uh, prior to the the gold medal run. Um, I I tend to think that he will not be on campus. The fun factoid about him, as I think I may have mentioned before, his parents met on the uh, set of the TV show Heroes. His, uh, his mother was uh, the mother of the cheerleader in that show, and his father was the first person who was killed in the show. Um on top of uh of that you've got Enrique Bradfield as the third of the triumvirate of, of outstanding uh outfielders in this in this commit class. Of the three, I would guess that he's the one who's most likely to end up on campus because of the draft rule changes, uh just simply because he doesn't necessarily he's a little bit more of a high risk player. And that's one of the things that um The assumption is teams will go more with safe picks, more college picks, because they have fewer uh, actual draftees, and you would avoid people with a high ceiling and push more towards people with a high floor, uh, at least in theory, or someone who's more clearly projectable. Of the three outfielders, you have uh, a best tool among each of them. For Robert Hassel, you have the best hit tool in the class. Definitely getting drafted in the first twenty picks, probably the first fifteen. Pete Crow Armstrong is the best glove in the uh, in the the draft class, at least among outfielders. He's a spectacular center fielder, uh, probably you know comparable to to Jared Kendall in that respect. Out of high school, um, you know, number of spectacular catches on the summer circuit. Uh, I think he possibly gets hurt by the 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 lack of a a high floor and being a little bit more more risky but probably still a first rounder uh probably still going to uh to go to the pro ranks and then enrique bradfield is an eight if he's not an 80 runner he's darn near an 80 runner best wheels in the class that said uh you know is someone going to spend first round kind of money in this draft on an 80 runner, who is not yet, uh, you know, a 55 hit tool, and that's to be seen. So, of the three, I think that's the one you're looking at. The other recruit you're looking at, who probably was just outside of the BA top 100, is Jack Bulger, who is a catcher who can really, really swing it. Um, yeah, you know, I, I. There just hasn't been a whole lot of word about what about Bulger's status was, so I really don't have much to add other than to note. That Vanderbilt added a uh, by late addition, a catcher last week who is known as having perhaps the best throwing arm in the catcher class, not as advanced an offensive player as of yet. Um, and to me, that addition uh, this late in the game tells me uh, either that Corb's does not believe that Ty Duval will be back, Corb's does not believe that Jack Bulger will arrive or that corpse believes that neither will be on campus in the the fall.
0: Tyler Brown, I want to get into for just a second. Takes on him have been mixed. He's, of course, got a special situation with the daughter and those sorts of things, and Vanderbilt's expensive. I don't know what his scholarship is. Are we projecting him going to pro ball based on being drafted, or do you think he goes regardless?
1: Uh, you know, I, I I can't imagine that any one of the Vanderbilt juniors will be going pro if they are not drafted. That would just, you know, seem crazy to me to take a twenty thousand dollar bonus. And the other complicating factor about the draft rule changes, which which we discussed a little before going on air, and one element that's perhaps significantly overseen as it relates to. Uh, draft eligible sophomores and, and draft eligible juniors this year is that uh, Major League Baseball also snuck into the agreement with the MLBPA that bonuses will be deferred. So if you receive a $1 million bonus in this year's draft, you will get $100,000 when you sign, and then you will get $450,000 in July of 21 and July of 22. That's very different than receiving a check for $1 million this year and having a shot, uh, uh, you know, maybe perhaps makes more attractive and perhaps more economically sensible to give it a year and take a shot in a more complete draft where, uh, you know, where, where A, you're more likely to get your bonus entirely up front.
0: Okay, here are the guys that it really depends on how long the draft goes. Again, these are Baseball America's rankings, which does not necessarily ensure that's where they're drafted. But Hugh Fisher at 159, right on the borderline of a five-round draft. Jack Bolger, as you mentioned, at 169. Ethan Smith, 174. Mason Hickman, 209. Any of those guys could slip into the top five rounds any of them could be left out, and at which point those are the guys where how long the majors go with their draft may dictate what those kids do and probably will. You may hear my son
1: who just fell a little, so he's upset because he's got dirt on his hands. Uh, the Yeah, I, I think you're right on all of them, that if you were telling me this was a 10-round draft, I'd say dollars to donuts, I'd bet each of them are, are going to get drafted and, and will go. And the same is true of Tyler Brown. Um, they're just too good to not go. But part of the question becomes, you know, take, for example, a guy like Mason Hickman. Someone is going to be willing to pay a hefty sum on him, but will someone use one of their top five picks on him? That's a difficult question, and it's not exactly the same the same thing. Um, just because you are willing to pay someone... Uh, you know, top four round money doesn't mean you're willing to draft him in the top five rounds. And for a guy like Hickman, who is, uh, you know, probably a more polished pitcher than all but a handful in the draft, and statistically was the, I believe D1 had him as the, the second best pitcher in all of college baseball after Reed Detmers and a, ahead of Mason Kumar Rocker at three uh, for the entirety of 2019 and 2020. Um, that's, and he's a guy who, who's a really attractive candidate, but he's also a very borderline day one guy. He's really more of a day two kind of guy because he doesn't project to have a 98 mile an hour fast. Uh, notwithstanding good spin rates, that's that out of a righty is not going to attract, you know, a whole lot of day one attention. I think if it's a 10 round draft, I would expect him to go and I would expect someone to make it worth his while to go. It's a five-round draft. I just don't know, and uh, you know. Then when we're looking at Hugh Fisher, I think it's it's a numbers game. Um, I think from a talent perspective, he, if he were not injured, he would clearly be in a position to get drafted early. And people have confidence in Tommy John recovery, so it would not shock me if he were drafted early. Uh, but I think he's probably more likely, weirdly enough, to be. To be drafted, than Mason Hickman if it's a five round draft. But he's also not without risk because he's off Ty John, and uh, in a in a draft where people are eschewing risk, are people going to go with that? Um, and then finally, you know, Ethan Smith is, is uh, I've always been very high on him. I think he's uh, one of the more electric arms on this staff, and when I say that, that's a huge compliment. Uh, I think had this been a full season and had Ethan been able to perform up to his uh, abilities for that full season, he could have been a day one guy. Um, I think with all three of them is it's who who talks to him and says, all right, we really like you a lot. We want you to come in. We're going to hit your number. I think that could happen for all three of them. Uh, It's hard to handicap because I think it's it's team by team.
0: Anybody else that we are leaving out that could be a potential top five round draft pick? I can't think of anybody. It would have to probably be a high school kid, but anybody that you could see being there if it is a five round event.
1: Uh, I don't, I, you know, I'm wrangling the little guy and I don't have my computer in front of me. Uh, I, I can't think. I mean, there, there's a, there is a drop off. In the recruits from the the guys who are, you know, first round type talents to the guys who are, you know, overslot risks, but overslot risks in a in a normal draft, not overslot risks in a five round draft. Um, you know, the guys that I'm really excited for, not really worried about right right here. I mean, the guys who are uh, the uh, the trademark my guys for this class are nelson berkwich lefty out of florida who's, who's not going to go in a five-round draft and i would expect to be on campus and then uh, jack o'dowd who is uh, dan o'dowd's son and will be playing uh you know second base or shortstop for us um he would probably be the next best of the recruits but i don't see him going in, in the top five rounds
0: Well, let me give you a couple quickly. You mentioned Odell, Grayson Moore, 99 on perfect game. Now, perfect game rates for college and not high school. So, I don't know. I haven't seen Grayson Moore pop up in in the B.A. 400, but I may not have looked down far enough. Miles Garrett, another one, not the pass rusher for the Browns. But uh, the right-hander – instead and then Patrick Riley 146 is one that you mentioned uh again those are ratings as high school prospects not as draft prospects those are just the other ones that are on the top of the list and then of course uh Ben Hanson I'd almost forgotten about him uh I think that's no the no, kid. no that's that's the brother oh uh, that's the brother
1: yeah so we should actually r- raise that and, and I'm forgetting his first name right now at the moment but uh so Ben Hansen is the younger brother Presumably, he will also go on a two-year mission trip, but I don't know that for sure. His brother, two years ago, was a top 60, top 70 uh, uh, draft prospect who um, decided to go to a mission trip for two years, either or Mormon, and uh, chose to do his two-year mission rather than go into the draft or come to Vanderbilt immediately. My understanding is he is expected to come in the fall. Uh, I don't think two years away from baseball that he will be a, an immediate draft prospect or that we should necessarily expect him to, to walk into campus like Kumar.
0: Yeah, I, I'm with you. I can't remember the kid's name, but I saw Hanson pop up, and I was thinking that's the guy. I'd forgotten that was his brother. Um You know, a couple of names off the current roster that if they go to 10 rounds that come to my mind, Cooper Davis. You know, Eric Kaiser two months ago would have said that's crazy, but he was popping 98. All it takes is one team. Do you see those kids getting picked if it goes 10 rounds?
1: Maybe if it goes 10. I mean, Cooper Davis is actually a pretty intriguing guy. Uh, We never really got to see him for a full season, but he really produced. He's got an electric speed, really fun to watch. Not a day one type candidate, but kind of a a top 200 prospect kind of guy. Uh, And yeah, you you could certainly see him go if if the draft is out of 10 rounds.
0: The last issue, this will not... Well, this guy will not be in play for the draft, but we think Jason Gonzalez will be back on the team next year, and that'll be a huge boost for them.
1: It will lead, and, and I do think that, uh, that that at least is looking like it's the case. It, uh, it we'll be able to see how the roster shapes up. Uh, yeah, we do have two guys in the portal. Um, that's Sterling Hayes and, uh, and Chance Huff. Uh, Huff, in particular, has been a guy with a really talented arm, but who sort of has difficulty harnessing his stuff. So, you know, I really hope the best for him, that he can get to a program where he can get enough innings to, to hopefully harness that and uh, and do some big things.
0: Hey, New York Door, I know your time is scarce. I'll let you go. I'll give you the floor for last comments. And congratulations on getting through this by uh, apparently from what I can tell from the audio, avoiding any sort of disaster. So uh, kudos on that, my friend.
1: <laughs> yes, indeed. Yeah, I, I think for uh, a last word, I'd just note, reigning national champions, um, that- that's all I gotta say it is uh, not the way we'd want it, but yeah, you know, we're we're still the reigning national champions.
0: New York Door has been my guest. Tell the people out there where they
1: can follow you on Twitter. Always at VU Hawk Talk on the tweet box.
0: He's New York Door. I'm Chris Lee. Thank you for listening to the Vane Sports Podcast.